0: Hello Canada. Today's date is September 11th, 2022. Welcome to a full edition of Canadian Common Sense, Canada's Issues in Under an Hour. It is Tony in Saskatchewan.
1: And Lewis out here in BC.
0: How are you, my man?
1: Oh, pretty good. Um, we had some great news last night. Um, uh but f- before we before we get into everything, I just want to say that uh you know that today marks the twenty first anniversary of 9 nine eleven
0: It does yep never forget canada i mean it's uh yeah we are just one step away from having that ourselves anywhere in the world so uh I still remember exactly where I was when i Heard the news that day, and I probably will always remember that. It was a, one of those things that changes your world.
1: Yeah, um, I remember. I was driving to work in Edmonton, and uh, I turned on the radio in my car just seconds before the second plane hit the hit the uh, second tower. And I remember listening to it because the uh, uh, the radio station. In Edmonton, I believe it was uh, 630 Ched, was, uh, they, were, they were discussing the first plane uh, hitting the first tower, not knowing if it was a, um, a, a person, like, like a small plane, like a Cessna or what. They didn't know if it was on purpose or accidental. Um, they didn't know anything. And they were talking about it and so and they were watching it live on tv and all of a sudden i one of the one of the commentators just goes oh my god a second plane just hit the other tower and and they're just losing their minds and and uh and i just remember like thinking what is going on right like it was it was it's it's one of those things where, like, uh, you remember everything. You remember where you were, um, right, uh, right down to like what what we we uh, you know where we were and what we were doing and and everything. I mean, it was, it was that was quite the day. And if you weren't old enough to remember that day, then uh, yeah, I mean, it was it was something crazy. I mean, they grounded every single aircraft on the planet. And uh, a lot of them ended up in Gander, Newfoundland, and uh, there's uh, and there's now a, a a musical based on Gander, Newfoundland, and 9/11, and it's actually very good. And um, and uh, so if you ever get a chance to watch that, I really highly recommend it. It's very very good.
0: Yeah. Well, now that I know about it, I'd like to watch that. Yep, I remember I was actually uh, out just well north of Edmonton at a, at a potato farm because I was uh, trucking, loading up a load of potatoes, and I was actually just outside chatting with the farmer, and then uh, his wife came up and said, hey, a, a plane had hit the World Trade Center, and all of us thought nothing of it because we thought same thing. Well, maybe it was an accident, maybe it was just a little Cessna or whatever, and then as I'm heading back into Edmonton, the, the radio's on, and of course it's all over the news, Uh, the second plane had already hit before I had jumped back in the truck, so then uh, as I'm driving back to Edmonton, all I'm thinking is, holy crap, is that coming here? But, uh, yeah, it was nuts. And then, then remember, there was a Korean Airlines jet that was flying over Yukon, and I guess maybe there was a language barrier or something, but they they didn't land, and then uh, Canada's military intercepted the jet and forced them to land in Whitehorse. And then, of course, they managed to sort it straighten everything out but it was uh yeah that was uh that was quite the day yeah it was so anyway we had quite the day yesterday so let's get into the show here on the show today hope springs eternal justin trudeau says he'll run again no the two aren't related climate cops christia freeland and more where do you want to start sir
1: Well, let's start with the big one.
0: Absolutely. So there was uh, the results of the vote last night, and it looks like Pierre Polyev managed to squeak out a win.
1: Yeah, uh, just kind of by a nose. Um, Yeah. And as long as that nose, you know, belongs to uh, an Italian. (laughs) (laughs) is man... Did he ever win by a very big nose?
0: That was incredible. 68% of the vote, so a first ballot win, 330 out of 338 ridings voted for Poiliev.
1: Yeah, and all eight of the ones that he didn't win went to uh, Jean Charest, uh six of which were in Quebec and two in Ontario.
0: Yeah, so so much for the... Uh, Punditocracy who had said, Well, Polyev, he's he's weak in Quebec, he you know he didn't organize well in Atlantic Canada and and you know Jean Charet does have a path to win. Well, I guess Jean Charet did play second, but he had, what was it, sixteen percent of the vote? Yeah. Yeah, so uh, a very, very distant second, but yeah. Yeah, there's no question whatsoever that Pierre Poiliev has a very strong mandate from the Conservative Party of Canada.
1: Yeah, and uh, I mean, he won by uh, a bit more than I was expecting. I was expecting around 60% on the first ballot, and uh, and it came in at 68%. Um, I don't... Um, I don't think... If you watched any of the news coverage of it last night, you would, you like, nobody in the news expected this.
0: No, for sure they didn't. I mean, there was a, well, I think a lot of the media were secretly hoping for Jean Charest. And I even had seen that, you know, I think we had even talked about the, uh, this quote-unquote polling that said, oh, Canadians would prefer to see Jean Charest and all this stuff, but none of that mattered because the members have spoken.
1: Yeah, I... I, This just goes to show how the media doesn't understand uh, conservatives. They don't understand the Conservative Party. They don't understand uh i don't i don't know that they really understand canadians all that much but but for sure they don't understand conservatives and uh and this is something that um uh became very obvious last night when uh i mean it, i i'll tell you one one commentator i was very surprised at by his comments was uh tim power uh and he's a conservative um insider and when I was watching CPAC's coverage of it, uh, he was on there uh, with uh, a liberal and an NDP, um, with liberal and NDP strategists. And Tim Power, he did not sound like he even wanted uh, uh, a Poliev to win last night and I mean he was he kind of was like you know if he, if uh, Charest doesn't doesn't win all of Quebec or something like this that he would be very uh, he'd be very surprised because he doesn't understand why everybody would vote for Polyev and, and this is coming from a conservative strategist and uh, but uh, but if you listen to anything that the NDP strategist had to say last night she was very complimentary towards Polyev, and and uh and i was i was shocked i was very surprised by her comments because she she seemed very um complimentary very uh you know um almost like he might sway her
0: wow <laughs> well that's interesting
1: yeah but but i mean tim power has has always been kind of a i mean he was a harper guy. And uh, and so I, I was really surprised by his comments last night. Both my wife and I were watching it going, and my wife was saying, is he a liberal? Like, and I said, no, he's conservative. And she said, I don't understand this guy.
0: Yeah, wow. Well, he yeah. does, I think he's he also was uh, on CBC's uh, Power Play panel once in a while, isn't he?
1: He is, yeah. yeah but, okay. he, but, but he's definitely a conservative, so... Um, but uh, but yeah no last night we were my wife and I I mean uh, when when it was announced that he won my wife w- just says oh my god I have hope again.
0: Well I think that that sentiment is actually spread all across the country. I mean when we put the post up on our Facebook page that he'd won, uh, that was what uh, one of the, the comments were was that you know hey now we have hope and. I think a lot of people are saying the exact same thing. A lot of my friends have posted that up on their social media that uh, there's now hope in this country again. And, well, I guess now we have to say that let's hope that Mr. Paul, sticks six to his guns. I mean, he's been given a very, very solid mandate from the Conservative Party that, you know, what you're saying is what we want you to keep saying.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I was... I, I just... Uh, okay. I, yeah, I, the last two elections, or the last three elections, I should say, have been very defeating for me. Like, I, I've come away from the last, especially the last two elections, um, just wondering, like, what the hell does, what the hell does Trudeau have to do to lose? Um, and I've been very feeling very defeated very like Canadians Canadians want this they want this guy that is destroying our country and and it just makes me feel completely defeated right because uh you know if they want their country destroyed like how can what what the hell can we possibly do to convince people they don't want it destroyed? and uh but i just get a general feeling from last night that people are people just needed something to believe in and i think Pierre Polyev is that person that is going to rally people around him and get him elected in the next in the next uh federal campaign i mean I'm just seeing, like, comments from other people that saying that, uh, that wherever they were, like, um, uh, Tracy Wilson from uh, the CCFR, the Canadian Coalition for Firearms Rights, she's uh, an executive director there, I believe, and uh, she is in Mississauga, and she said people were cheering outside the hotel on the street, and she went out onto the street, and people were high-fiving, and and everything. So, I mean, like, this is, and that's, that's Mississauga. That's, that's a suburb of Toronto. A place that the media would have you believe is scared to death of Pierre Polyev.
0: Yeah, that's, <clears throat> excuse me, that's really interesting. And if you get that kind of energy over a leadership convention for an opposition party, wow, that says a lot.
1: Yeah, and, and but now I gotta say something. The conservatives and poly, pol, like political parties in this country in general really have a lot to learn about how to announce a leader, uh, a leadership win. <laughs> it was so unorganized and so bad. <laughs> like they they were late getting up onto the stage, and when they get up there, a guy goes. We would have started earlier, but the elevator was
0: in use. And then turned around and walked away. Oh, my gosh.
1: (laughs) Never explained explained anything. Like, never provided any context, nothing. And he's laughing like it was some inside joke or something. And I'm just, like, I looked at my wife and I went, what?
0: (laughs) Jeez. And
1: And then another guy comes up. Doesn't even introduce himself. Just says, "We have a new leader, Pierre Pauliev."
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> what? Like, didn't announce numbers. Didn't announce, you know, the the what, what percentage he won by. Nothing. No speech. Nothing. Wow. It was it was so bad. It made it feel like amateur hour. Jeez. But, like. I in five minutes I could have organized a better presentation.
0: No kidding! Wow, like
1: it was it was really bad, um, but uh, but boy, like Jean Charest looked like someone had shot his dog. Like I really think he thought he had a chance.
0: That's hilarious that that he would th- would have thought that, but I mean. I get it that he would have wanted to put the bold face on during the campaign but that's amazing that he actually thought he had a chance.
1: Yeah, cuz I mean he looked he looked dejected like just he he was he really looked like he did not want to be there.
0: Well, well I mean I guess I kind of get that because he lost but at the same time um yeah, he should have seen that coming months ago.
1: Yeah. Now, there's a few things, there's a few takeaways from last night that I have. Um, The first is, uh, Pierre Polyev's wife introduced him. So once they announced that he won, uh, she came, she went to the microphone first and uh, told the crowd a little bit about herself, where she came from, where her family came from. Um, And then gave a little rundown on Pierre Polyev's life and there's a few things that I took away from that first his wife is incredibly smart very well spoken uh, confident and um, and it doesn't hurt that she's a beautiful woman now she is a Venezuelan immigrant and she her she speaks three languages fluently Spanish French and English um I did not know that Pierre Poliev's father is openly gay I
0: didn't uh, know that either
1: hmm. yeah that was last night we found that out he uh peer was born to a uh single unwed teenage mother uh was put up for adoption was adopted by two uh teachers from saskatchewan and um briefly lived in saskatchewan i believe and then moved to calgary um, and uh was raised there he's fluent in english and french his uh um his adoptive parents come from a french community in saskatchewan um and uh i mean this guy this guy i how anybody because like and and i'll tell you like my wife's family is all out back east now they're all dyed-in-the-wool liberals and they are, calling, last night on on their family group chat, my wife had to leave it, um, because they were just going off about what a racist and a fascist and hateful human being that that, uh, that out is. And for the life of me, I can't figure out where anybody gets this from. I mean, the man was... was was born to a single teenage mom he was uh, adopted uh his i believe it's his biological father is openly gay he's married to a venezuelan immigrant speaks multiple languages um i i, I don't I, I don't understand where where anybody can possibly get off saying that he's a racist or a bigot or uh a fascist. I mean, that word is so overused today because I don't think anybody actually knows what it means. Um, and and then if you listened to his speech last night, um, it was the most gracious speech. And he started off by thanking each individual opponent that he had in the leadership race, and thanked him for specific. Things that they brought to the race, and he mentioned what those things were. Um, and then, on top of thanking them, he thanked their spouses for standing by them and picking up the slack at home, and and while the while the leadership race was going on, and being supportive, and and, and all of that. He he thanked the, his opponents, and he thanked their spouses.
0: That's really gracious. I like that.
1: Yeah, and um, and then he and then the other thing I took away from his speech last night was that he not once did he ever mention Justin Trudeau by name. Wow. He, when he referred to inflation, he called it liberal inflation. He didn't call it Justin inflation. Um, he uh, he he decided. You could tell last night his speech, it was very positive. Everything that, he, that he, uh, he touched on was positive. It was, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, and this is how we're going to do it. There was no, you know, the liberal scandals or Justin Trudeau scandals or any of these things. He didn't mention any of that. He just talked about what the conservatives under his leadership are going to do to make this country better. Oh,
0: fantastic, and, uh, well, actually, let's dovetail right off that to something else that's going to make this country better, and I say that fully tongue-in-cheek. Justin Trudeau announced in Vancouver at their cabinet retreat that he's staying on and he intends to run in that next election against Pierre Polyev.
1: Yeah, and I, I mean, I, uh, I don't see why he wouldn't, um, he is trying to go after that elusive fourth uh, election win, right? Yes,
0: yeah, and we should point out fourth consecutive win. I, I know I would said before fourth, but then I realized that his father, Pierre Trudeau, had won four elections, but he had actually stepped down between that third and fourth. And only Wilfrid Laurier has actually won four in a row. And so that's that's the uh, the brass ring that Justin is reaching for. Okay,
1: all right so yeah he's got a he he wants to win those four elections in a row and um and that's why I think that election is coming sooner than later
0: i think um, I think you're right like I think that he's uh that they're now going to and i'm sure that the 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 ads are probably already prepared to talk about what a uh, white supremacist fascist racist puppy killing monster that pierre Polyev is and so yeah, I think that they're going to probably have to take advantage of this. Well, I can't even say take advantage because people already know Pierre Polyev, but they're going to, in what in their mind, is take advantage of people who are unsure about Polyev. So uh, it could be coming sooner than we think.
1: Yep. And, you know, I mean, you see a lot of... Uh, I saw a lot of uh, commentators last night talking about how just... Or, sorry, uh, Pierre Polyev uh, doesn't... Um, doesn't uh, talk to the mainstream media anymore, and that's going to hurt him. It didn't hurt, it, it didn't hurt him last night, and I don't think it's going to hurt him much at all because nobody watches mainstream media anymore.
0: Well, that's true, and uh, and I guess to Pierre Poilier's detriment, he did not talk to us, even when I approached him directly in person, so that I don't like, but yes, he certainly has time for people like true North, for example, and, and good. He should, I mean, the mainstream media is finally being exposed for what they are. And that's just the propaganda arm for the liberal party of Canada. So screw them, honestly.
1: Yep, And I mean, I, I, I'm hoping that maybe he'll entertain us now. Um, I don't know if he will or not, but I would, uh, I think we, we should attempt to get him on the show again. Um, I know I'm going to approach my uh, my local MP here about coming back on the show now that now that Polyev has won so I can get his his uh take on things. Um so uh yeah, I mean I uh I don't know, Justin Trudeau announcing that he's gonna be back uh that he's gonna stay on for the next election. Not surprising to me. Um I think it's uh, very telling uh, what the state of the Liberal Party of Canada is in that you don't see anyone um, you know, stepping out of line and saying that he should step down or anything. I mean, he is the most corrupt prime minister this country has ever had. And his party is standing by him, and that that just is shocking to me in this at this point
0: well that that does say a lot you're right i mean there's there's no reason why there shouldn't not be an open revolt in the Liberal Party of Canada right now, and instead he's said, yeah, he said he 's going to stay on, and people are absolutely fine with it so then that leaves the question to me is well what about Krista Freeland? Because people have been talking about her as as a successor for a couple of years already, and well, we just pop that balloon.
1: Yeah, I think she um I I think she's lost interest in that job. Um and I don't think that's a big branch to to step out on because um Apparently she's interested in the in the the top job at NATO.
0: Yeah, well, and I, I had to look it up last night and see that um, the job will be available because apparently it's a four-year term and uh, Jens Stoltenberg is now at the end of his second four-year term. So that job actually will be coming up sooner than we thought. And yeah, when she was asked about it, if she was interested, she did absolutely nothing to put those rumors down. So... I don't know if maybe she's been approached or if she's approached them, but she is without a doubt interested.
1: Yeah. I mean I, I don't under, I don't know what qualifies her. I don't either. Um but uh I don't know stranger things have happened in this world lately.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, I guess it would be a purely political appointment if she got one. I mean, they certainly could not hire her based on Canada's contributions to NATO because she would be laughed out of the building if that was the case.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I don't know. I just, I don't know how she would get picked for it. I mean, Canada has kind of uh, has, has underfunded NATO for a long time. Yeah, so I... Uh... Uh, so I don't know how she would even get picked for it, but... Um... You know, I mean, as long as she doesn't end up as uh, our prime minister, I'm kind of happy.
0: Well, exactly. Yeah, stranger things have happened. But uh, honestly, if that's the road she wants to go down and she wants to leave Canadian politics, I say thank you. Good luck to you. Get lost. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah. So. Yeah. No, that's that's a... Uh, couldn't have uh, put it better myself.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. And speaking of get lost... Well, last night I happened to stumble upon a story. Now, this is a U.S. story, but you know damn well it's coming here. And you mentioned Tracy Wilson, so that's good foreshadowing. In the States, Visa Incorporated, MasterCard, and American Express have all decided they want a gun registry of their own.
1: Yeah. um, They're going to treat gun sales separately separately from uh from any other purchase uh so that they can keep track of them.
0: Yeah and and I love their rationale is that so they can monitor if somebody makes a large purchase and so they can uh I think essentially so they can predict the next mass shooting. I thought are you guys actually insane?
1: Yeah, like since when was it their responsibility um Unless this is being pushed by the uh by the administration there yeah, um,
0: I think it would have but, to be
1: which i yeah i'm I wouldn't be surprised if it was um, i mean they've been the 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 federal government there over the past couple of years has been doing uh some things that they shouldn't be doing such as talking to uh Social media companies about who to ban, um, and they've been—you know—documents have been released recently showing that they have been doing that. So I wouldn't be surprised if uh, if, they've been, if they've approached the credit card companies and asked them to uh, keep track of gun sales too. Yeah,
0: this is this is absolutely ridiculous. I mean, just because somebody makes a quote large purchase. Doesn't mean that they're the next mass shooter. I mean, this. Uh, I know we've said this before in this show, but this has got Minority Report li- written all over it. Like, there's, there's, a, there's privacy rights. Um, none of your goddamn business what I buy. But now apparently it is, and, and yeah, I mean, making a big purchase does not equate. I'm gonna go out and shoot up a school.
1: Nope, not at all. I mean, I know I. I personally have bought, you know, a couple hundred rounds in one shot. Uh, excuse the pun, um, <laughs> because I was going out target shooting.
0: Well, exactly.
1: And uh, so, I mean, I, this is this is ridiculous. This is another way to you know make. Make a scapegoat of of gun owners, and I would not be surprised if it makes its way to Canada.
0: Well, yeah, I mean it's an excellent way to uh, implement a backdoor gun registry, which I guess they've already done in Canada because they, because of course now gun stores have to keep those receipts on or those records on file for 20 years. But you're right about the the ammunition. When we when I go to buy ammunition, I like to to get a big chunk of it so that I don't have to go back for a while. So yeah, I'll buy a a few hundred rounds because I've got a few different firearms. So, um, yeah. yeah, So suddenly now you go out and buy a few hundred rounds is what the RCMP coming to your door. Like it's ridiculous.
1: Yeah. This is crazy because I mean, it's like, like you, right. I have, I have six different firearms. So that's six different types of ammunition that I got to buy. And if I'm going out target shooting, I take all of them with me. Well, yeah. So, I mean, that's you know, that's a lot of a lot of ammunition you're going to go through in one day and and like you said, you don't want to run out, so you buy a whole bunch of it before you go.
0: Yeah, so now if uh and I and I'll stress again, this is in the US, but likely it's going to come here and if it does, uh I guess we go back to paying cash for stuff, but I guess here you have to present your, your uh, possession and acquisition license to buy ammunition. So I guess they could track you that way if they really wanted to.
1: They do. Yeah. Um, But I mean, the other, the other way that, you know, they're keeping track of what, what guns you buy now, it's not just that the uh, gun store has to keep the record for 20 years, but they, uh, you also have to apply for a a transfer now, right?
0: Right. And
1: so anytime you buy or sell a gun you have to get a transfer and that's even a private sale. Um so I mean like they've they found a way to get a registry.
0: Yeah, unfortunately that's true. So
1: um Yeah. Okay. Luckily I bought I bought all my firearms before the uh the transfer uh, requirement came into play. And so they won't find any transfers for anything I have.
0: Yeah, I mean, I have all the ones that I want as well. And I know that, that Alberta and Saskatchewan have, who now have hired their own uh, chief firearms officers, who they still have to answer to Ottawa. But in Alberta's case, they've actually directed their CFO to fast-track or at least speed up the the transfer process, because the federal government has been slow-walking it.
1: Yeah. Well, and have you seen, uh, I believe the federal government has actually allocated $16 million to fast-track the applications, which wow. <laughs> I, I don't understand where that's coming from. They've been doing everything possible to make it take as long as possible. Yeah and And then they go and and do that because and the reason I know that is because Pauly Sesuvvier the uh anti gun uh, uh lobby group, which I believe only has like six members um, they uh they posted a tweet about it um, about how the federal government has allocated this money to help fast track licenses and everything and uh and act like it's gonna put all these guns on the streets
0: how like, bizarre
1: yeah well it's like come on like yeah. reality there's reality, <laughs> there's, there's reality and there's make believe there's reality and there's make believe and police susuvien lives in the 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 world of make believe where all fire, all legally licensed firearm owners are all potential criminals, and we're you know one one step away from shooting up some public space, and police uh, SUVs and, and groups like that just make me sick. They make me sick. I mean, I understand that that group was put together after the, you know the the massacre at uh the um polytechnique in Montreal, I, I get it. And I feel and I and I have sympathy for those people because they lost loved ones that day. I get it. I, I, I have lost people close to me in horrific accidents and, and stuff like that, so I get it. But 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 legally licensed firearms owners are not the problem. And that's reality.
0: Yep. Absolutely right. And um, yeah, actually, let's just jump on to the next one here. I do want to talk a bit more about the Saskatchewan situation after this if we have time. But those of you job seekers out there, the government has your back. On Indeed.com, a rather popular uh, employment website, there's there's a posting by the Government of Canada for the Environmental Enforcement Directorate looking for climate cops. They're called climate pollution officers. I don't remember what it pays, but they're looking for officers to enforce Bill C-69. To, to, or they're there to enforce compliance with the Impact Assessment Act. And we want to talk about Gestapo. These officers, this is just a little preview here, they could enter any premises at any time with no warrant to quote verify compliance with the impact assessment act end quote they may enter to take photos access computers access communication devices and direct any person either to start operating machinery or to cease operating machinery they can shut down access to any premises and well, applications are still open, Canada. So uh, you have till September twenty-second if you want to be a climate Gestapo. Wait, what? Scary as hell, and they actually already are working because it was well, allegedly because there was federal government agents um just trespassing onto farms in Saskatchewan to test the water in dugouts, and to his credit, Premier Scott Moe said. You're trampling on provincial jurisdiction. If your officers are caught on any more Saskatchewan farms, they'll be arrested for trespassing.
1: Well, good for Scott Mo. Um, I, I mean, when you, when you brought, when you mentioned these uh, climate cops to me before the show, I, I hadn't heard about it, and you saved it for the show to tell me what they were able to do. Yep. And I'm glad you did because. Uh my reaction is completely 100% honest here. I didn't know about this. I don't know how I didn't know about this. And this scares the living daylights out of me. Like what 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 properties can they access like our personal home?
0: Absolutely. They can really? they can en- enter any prop- premises. With no warrant, so uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know where they would have grounds to enter your home, but with with no warrant, they don't need grounds to enter your home. They were allegedly uh, testing dugout waters on Saskatchewan farms because they wanted to test the nitrate levels in order to enforce their upcoming fertilizer ban or their potential fertilizer ban, um, and, and I'm I'm, gu- I'm guessing that. I mean, gu- why else would they be testing nitrate levels, but yeah, I mean, had it not been for some farmers saying, "Hey, we saw these people, you know, going into our dugouts," uh, we would never have known about it, and I would not have gone down the rabbit hole to to find this job ad.
1: Yeah, that's scary stuff.
0: Well, it's, uh, I mean, when it says communication devices, that tells me that they can they can get into your cell phones, and uh, I would be fighting that one right to the to the very end.
1: So. So what they can they can come into our home and see if our furnace is new enough or
0: I guess they or, could yeah
1: Wow this is scary This is really scary Like yeah. because like I, I'm just wondering like does that mean like they could come to like our, our listeners know I own a I own a, a business and I have equipment. Now that equipment, some of it is gas-powered, and yes, I could get that same equipment in electric, but it's not nearly as useful or long-lasting or as effective, so I don't use that. It's way more expensive, and so I don't use it. Could they come on to one of my sites and just shut me down because I'm not using enough electric equipment
0: well and from what i read allegedly i think they could i think they could they could enter onto your job site um which would not necessarily even be your own property and i think if they wanted to they could say um yep start that up i want to emissions test it and by the looks of it you would have to say okay well here you go and if that is indeed the case, because of course it's vague enough in the ad that you don't really get the full, you know, context of it. But from what I'm reading, that sounds like it's the case. It sounds like they could look and say, "Hey, that's a, a gas-powered engine you've got there. Let's let let's fire that up and see exactly how much you're polluting the environment today." Now, I don't know if they could actually uh, what they could charge you with, but I guess if they're enforcing Bill C69. I guess we could look into C sixty nine and see what the, well, maybe maybe they could see how many women you've got employed and uh, how how your job is affecting the uh, the gender of uh, of people in your area.
1: Unbelievable.
0: Unbelievable is right, and it's uh, it's scary as hell. I uh, I'm tempted to apply just for the fun of it, but I don't actually want to get hired.
1: Well. So. <laughs> uh. I mean, because the thing is, that the, what really scares me is that you've got people who are going to be getting put into a, power, a, power, a position of great power, because it sounds like this, this position has great power. Oh, yeah. And I know what happens to people when they're put in positions of great power, when they are not. I know what happens to people who are put in positions of great power who are trained, be in that position and I know how the power gets to their head now imagine people who did not have to go through any kind of law enforcement training or military training and to learn discipline who are now going to be in these positions of great power
0: well yeah Lord Acton power corrupts absolute power corrupts absolutely
1: yeah and it sounds like these people have absolute power in certain things
0: well, like, and it's it said to be, that,
1: able to, end, to be able to enter a property without a warrant. That is scary. Oh,
0: well, it is scary. And then uh, the article I read talking about this had said that there's a, they're building a facility in Winnipeg that's going to have big testing labs and a compliance center, whatever that's supposed to mean. And they and it also talked about a firearms armory. I was like, um, wait, what? So I'm guessing these officers are going to be armed. I don't know that, but that's just what I'm taking from reading that there's going to be a firearms armory,
1: Wow, so this is kind of like how the u s is hiring eighty seven thousand new i r s agents and they and their job ad for it says that they have to be willing to use lethal force,
0: yeah, yeah, and that uh which probably was always part of it, but yeah, they're making certain that they uh that they're putting the message through to citizens that hey. This is what's going to happen, folks. Or could happen, I should say.
1: So maybe that's why they want to take our guns away. Because they got all these climate cops that are going to be coming onto our properties without warrants. And they're going to be armed.
0: Yeah, it's scary as hell.
1: This is scary. (laughs) Like, this is really scary. And how, how come nobody has said anything about it?
0: You know... It's funny that you say that exact question because that comes up a lot on this show. How is it that these two dumbasses from rural Canada are finding these stories that nobody else talks about that have a hell of an impact on our society? It's I mean, the mainstream media is not doing their jobs.
1: Not at all. No, uh, they're, they're, they're too busy worried about reporting on CTV firing Lisa Laflamme.
0: Yeah, which was bad, and I'm actually... I, I feel awful for Lisa Flam, but yeah, there are some more important things going on in this country. Yeah. Alright, so let's wrap it up with a little little talk about my own backyard here in Saskatchewan. Um, everybody heard about uh, the Sanderson brothers from the James Smith uh, Cree Nation. Ten people murdered, I guess eleven when you count uh, uh, both the killers. Uh, Eighteen injured in a stabbing spree, and... Yes, I posted up on our Canadian Common Sense Facebook page that uh, maybe it's time to ban knives. No, I'm I'm, I'm kidding. I, I said Trudeau might say that, but uh, it was it was telling that the RCMP reminded me of, for example, reminded me of when you go to the grocery store and your wife says, "Okay, make sure you grab this, that, and whatever," and you come home and oh crap, I forgot to get the butter. So then. Uh, Every time you go to the grocery store after that, you're texting her saying, okay, was there anything else I forgot? And that was the RCMP. When we were coming home from Edmonton last weekend, uh, our cell phone alerts went off just in the trip from Edmonton back to Saskatoon, so about a five-hour drive. We got nine different text alerts that there was, oh, there was an incident in this community and you know, not related to the, to the James Smith incident. Oh, there was an incident in this community. Oh, there was, there was this. And it was actually getting really tiresome after a while. And I mean, okay, good that we know all this crap is going on and that, you know, there was a shooting here, there was a stabbing here, but it's like, if we're focused on Miles Sanderson and we should have been, uh, maybe we didn't need to get all these RCMP alerts about everything else going on in Saskatchewan. It would it. uh, made me feel like we were entering a civil war in Saskatchewan, and I'm not even kidding.
1: Yeah, I can't even imagine what, what it was like getting all those those uh, emergency notifications.
0: Yeah, well, especially when we uh, actually drove by one of the communities where there was an alert, and it said Maidstone, Saskatchewan, which is just east of Lloydminster, and and I was like, holy crap, we just passed that like half an hour ago. <laughs> so then you start to worry like, okay, do I stop anywhere if I need to get a snack or use the bathroom or do I just, you know, keep on trucking?
1: Yeah. So well, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I mean, I, you got to give the cops, uh, you know, credit though because, I mean, at least they were letting people know what was going on, uh, not knowing if they were related or not. Um unlike what happened in Nova Scotia where they didn't tell anybody.
0: Yeah. And I think that that's might be part of it because they're under such heavy scrutiny because of the debacle in Nova Scotia. Then, uh, so yeah, for an update for everybody. So Miles Sanderson was caught and actually not terribly far from the James Smith Cree nation where, where he was from. Uh, he was caught near roster in Saskatchewan based on a, on a tip. Cause he had actually had broken into a home and, uh, where a lady was home, and then he took her vehicle, but she had phoned her son, who had then phoned the r c m p so they ended up catching him now. The confusion part here is that the that Miles Sanderson died in custody, but it's reported that he died from self inflicted wounds, so I'm not really understanding how all that happened because there was a photo that that was released of him up against the the RCMP cruiser and he was laughing when he was being handcuffed and then suddenly you know within a couple of hours it was released that that he had passed away in custody from self-inflicted wounds so I'm not sure how we square that circle
1: Yeah, I'm not sure either and when that happened I I thought, "Whoa, what is going on here?"
0: Yeah, there's really and uh and as the story comes out more and more i mean it's uh it looks like it was definitely targeted attacks um after one particular family on, uh, on the reserve because it was uh he had a relationship uh was married to uh, a girl from this this family that they attacked and her parents were were among the victims or i guess it was her father and then it was you know other members of that family, like six of the 10 victims were actually from that one family. So it's, uh,
1: yeah. And I think most of the rest were from his own family.
0: That possibly. Yeah. And it's, so yeah. it's, uh, we're going to, we're going to find out a heck of a lot more, but yeah, I'm really confused how it was that he died in custody from self-inflicted wounds. So, so did he do something to himself before getting arrested and that ended up doing him in like the impact of the crash itself? Cause the police used the, uh, a pit maneuver, to take the vehicle out that he was driving so it's possible that there are some injuries from that but yeah, yeah. Uh, i'm not really sure what uh what to make of that
1: yeah i'm a little confused by it myself i i just i really hope that you know it wasn't like a, a one of the cops decided to, to take care of things himself i i would hate to think that that happened but i don't know what could possibly have led to him dying that quickly in in custody. Yeah. Um, and the other thing that uh, now now this is where I really am upset with the Canadian justice system because this guy has more than fifty convictions, most of which are violent. Yep. And one of the people that he killed is his is his uh, was his father in law or stepfather in law. Correct. Yeah. And he was convicted of stabbing that man before.
0: Yeah, that's right. And he was convicted of assaulting his ex wife or common law or whatever it was several times. And it was fifty seven pre- previous charges. And when he was released the last time. The judge had said, You pose no threat to society, you've uh you know, you're employed, et cetera, et cetera. Well, boy was that judge wrong.
1: Yeah, well I mean, okay, back in I think it was two thousand eighteen, he was convicted of stabbing his stepfather in law with a fork and and then he he finally finished the job, you know, the last week. Right. Like like I <laughs> How can you possibly say that this guy was not a danger to society when he had been he had more than fifty convictions, most of which were violent, and well, he was convicted of stabbing someone before
0: yeah exactly so it's uh there had better be a lot of investigations going on and uh I guess in the case of his release i mean uh, a lot of uh soul searching on the Part of that judge, like we've really got to uh well it was a parole board the parole board, yeah, sorry, yeah, you're right, the parole board, so I mean, I'm sure that Gladu had something to do with that, and um, for those who aren't familiar with Gladu, taking into account the uh, first Nations background and the fact that first nations are overrepresented in our justice system et cetera et cetera, and you know taking in fact that they uh the Gladu's got a whole bunch of different factors, but I mean that's essentially yep. is so uh I mean that may have been part of their their decision, I, but
1: I ha, I believe it was. I mean, when someone has that many convictions and violent convictions, how with unless you are unless you are doing the um using that 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 uh, Gladue for deciding whether or not someone stays in prison, and you let them out when they've got that many violent convictions. I think I think that I think it honestly I think it does. It has to do with the fact that he was native.
0: Yeah, well, and that's what Gladue's all about, right? So it's uh, yeah. yeah. I'm uh, there. There better be some serious soul searching with the with the parole board. Like that's uh, unacceptable. I mean, we just lost ten innocent lives that didn't need to to to, to get lost. You know.
1: Yeah, and why and why do they use uh, Gladue for? someone like this where he's he's got so many convictions i mean i can understand maybe for one or two convictions but 57
0: yeah it's ridiculous like, come
1: on this is get, this is outrageous i mean it it's so stupid because just because someone is native they get a, they get lesser penalties uh you know lighter sentences uh they get you know released earlier but if you're not native uh you get punished harder
0: yep that's and, right and
1: it's it's again and i have said this on the show so many times that canada does have institutional racism it is deeply entrenched in our, in our government and our laws. And, but it's not the kind of racism people think.
0: Yeah, that's absolutely true. And that's just gotten worse with this Trudeau government in power. So yeah. Anyway, Canada, we will wrap it up there, but the shining light is that now that Pierre Poiliev is the leader of the conservative party of Canada, perhaps change is in the wind. So uh we'll we'll leave it on that as our positive note and thank you very much for joining us and until next week it is Tony in Saskatchewan
1: and Lewis out here in BC good night
0: good night Canada
1: and Tony.